Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Rage of Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up, and shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show. My name is Caleb Haig. With me, as always, Rob Vanhoff. What up, Rob? How's it going? Uh, there's a lot of uh, information about the doctor going on in the chat room. Right? <laughs> uh, it's I, going well. I, I love this. Uh, so somehow, well, yeah. Uh, so basically, somebody made, I think actually, Adam made a uh, Doctor Who reference in our chat room today. Uh, however, when he just mentioned the doctor or doctor, uh, it was as if, it, yeah, it was like, uh, it was like the, them referring to Rabbi Judah in the Mishnah, just Rabbi. Uh, every uh, it just, just was assumed he was talking about Doctor Doctor James White. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> All right, what up and shalom there, everybody in the chat room. Good to see you. We got a good crowd in there today. Uh, a lot of people and and a lot of a lot of posting going on uh, for sure. Uh, so what up and shalom to all you guys. And then also what up and shalom to all you out there in video land. You know, we got to take care of this first and foremost. Actually, I should say this. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the Robin Caleb show is brought to you by Torah resource. We got a whole crew behind us and, uh, we're, we're thankful for that crew. Gary Springer's working with us, uh, doing all the program for Torah resource radio. Mark Randall's doing the chat room. He's doing, I mean, he's, he's got his hands in everything. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and then we got, uh, you know, we even got staff here at the, uh, at the, flagship office that are uh, that are helping us uh, revamp some of our graphics and all sorts of stuff. So we're, we're very thankful for all the people who who put time and effort into making this show happen. So thank you. Okay, I got to say this. This is going to be a segment on YouTube because uh, I need, it needs to be said because people keep emailing me, even though we've said it on the show numerous times. So basically what happened, I have been put on six-month uh, uh, <laughs> restriction, uh, restricted access. Uh, too bad it wasn't like paid leave or anything. I know, right? But YouTube, YouTube has basically – they haven't suspended my account, but uh, I'm not in good standing right now. And uh, the reason for this is I did something stupid. I, I, now, you know how like when you sign your, your, uh, your iTunes contract and all that kind of stuff, how you don't really read it? You know, it just says, do you agree? And you're like, yeah, I agree with the terms and conditions. Well, that's basically what I did with YouTube, and that was stupid of me. I probably should have read the terms and conditions of YouTube. So what I did was uh, we got a new Vimeo page. The Tor Resource, Tor Resource got a new Vimeo page. And I, I wanted to let people know that uh, <laughs> Caleb did something stupid. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I wanted to let people know that we were CC. moving all of the, uh, all of the devotionals from, that were being featured on my YouTube page over to our Vimeo page. Well, um, now I was going to continue to post the Robin Caleb show and some, you know, Michelet and some other things on my YouTube page, but the devotionals were moving over to the Vimeo page. So I decided, well, what would be the best way to let people know that? Well, I put up, I put 
the title of of uh, Cry of the Soul, which is Gary's devotional, number six up. That was the title of it. I put Cry of the Soul number six, and then I put the picture for Cry of the Soul on there. And then in the vi- if you clicked on the video, it was really just me saying, "Hey, if you want to watch this, go over to uh, go over to Vimeo and watch it there." This is against the rules because of YouTube because you're not allowed to uh, promote a fault like put a fake name on a video. If I would have just said, "Hey, th- th- want to know what happened to Cry of the Salt?" You can find out here. Then it would have been okay. But uh, no, I didn't do that. They put me on six month probation. Six months. I can't. Uh, I can't put up. Uh, and I, okay, you know, I I did the crime. I need to pay the time. Uh, but I can't put up thumbnails anymore, so that's why every single video just is a screenshot of one, of, you know, of a video. Uh, I can't put up anything more than fifteen minutes long, which is why the the Rob and Caleb show has not been posted on the YouTube page for several weeks now. But you can find it on Vimeo, by the way. So if you want to watch the full Rob and Caleb show instead of just the little clips, then you can go over to the Vimeo page. Um, but uh, once that six-month uh, probation has been lifted, and it, for for anyone at YouTube who might be watching this, I apologize. My mistake. I realize the wrong I have done, and uh, I will. It will not. It will not take place ever again. Uh, you know, if you guys over there wanting to uh, lift my restriction a little bit earlier, that would be greatly appreciated. But uh, I know there's some employee there going, man. When can I? They're watching the clock. When can I reinstate Caleb? Yeah, exactly. They're thinking, man, I really like that Robin Caleb show. But you know, I'm sure the YouTube office has Vimeo blocked on their browsers. They can't even go there. I can't watch the Robin Caleb show at work. All right, that's it. That's that's what's going on with my YouTube page. So you know, hey, uh, I accept the punishment. I'm not happy about it, but I accept. Thirty nine lashes. Oh, well, pretty much. How you been, man? Uh, I uh, now there there needs to it needs to be said some congratulations. What was that? We need to paint those foam soundproof things on your wall behind you. Yeah, man, come on like over. They're, like they're. Uh, like, I don't know, gray or black. <laughs> <laughs> like your soul. Okay, so uh, congratulations. Sorry, that was just a, a distraction. <laughs> Congrat- congratulations are in order for Rob Vanhoff because his paper was accepted to the SBL or the ETS? SBL. Congratulations. What, what's your so? I wasn't the only one. The, yeah, the, Tim Hag as well. My father had a paper accepted. Now I don't. I don't even know what your paper is going to be on. I didn't. Uh, I didn't hear. Me anything. neither. <laughs> me neither. Uh, so so did you? Uh, did you? No, sub- I had to submit a a proposal and a title. And what's the what's the title? <laughs> I can't even remember right now what my title is. General it's, gist. No, no, no. It's like uh, in the. It's for the Masora section. Uh-huh. The Masora, you know, the scribes who. Preserve. Oh wait, wait, hang on. Let me translate that for our audience. I.e., biblical nerds, go for it. <laughs> yeah, it's with uh, it's the section led by Dr. David Marcus, yes, a, a Masora scholar among other uh, specialties. And um, so my paper is on more on the Karikative that uh, when the, the scribes have a tradition of when you see a certain word, sometimes that they say read something different. So my paper is more into that. That's what I talked about last week or last year in November in Atlanta. 
And so I'm going to be continuing that topic on the nature of kareketiv. But I'm looking at this word kare, which means it is read or to read in both the, the Jerusalem Talmud and the Babylonian Talmud and trying to find how that word was understood in ancient, uh, what we call late Aramaic, Jew, Jewish Aramaic, and to get an understanding of how the scribes meant it. Did they mean it as, a, as an imperative, like read, or did they mean it as a passive, like it should be read as? And uh, so it's just a little nuance there, but takes a lot of, uh, there's a lot of grunt work involved with getting all the data. So for those who might not know, the uh, Society of Biblical Literature this year is being held, uh, once again, as always, in concert with, right after the Evangelical Theological Society, it will be in San Antonio, Texas, right on the uh, water walk. What's it called? Yeah, I've never been to San Antonio. San Antonio. Well, there's a river that goes The river walk, it. that's what it's called, the river walk. <clears throat> and the Alamo's right there. Yeah, it's going to be great. But here's the here's the what I'm most excited about. So last year uh, we were in Atlanta, Georgia, which also was very nice, and we had just had a really blessed time. And uh, it was, you know, the the Stabator Resource went. Gary Springer, who uh, teaches our counseling classes uh, at Torah Resource Institute, he was really excited because uh, the, the topic at the Evangelical Theological Society last year was. Uh, uh, what was it? Family care and counseling, or something like that. Anyway, marriage and family. I marriage think. and fa- family count. Yeah, and uh, so that was right up Gary's alley, and he was very excited for it. I, however, am not that. You know, that's not my point of interest in study. Uh, it, it's definitely needed, but it's not my. You know, it's not what I'm excited about. So uh, the conference was great, but this coming conference down in San Antonio, the topic for the uh, for the Evangelical Theological Society is the Trinity. And this is something I am very excited for. I cannot wait. I'm, I'm bursting with fruit flavor on this one. It's gonna be. It's yeah. It's good. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on. You didn't ask me about my tie. I got a tie on today. I just, well, not only that, you just look. You look stunning. You look like <laughs> wow. You look like bam, man. This guy looks, looks great. Yeah, sharp. Here's what's going on. I'm at a you, crossroads. You clean up. You clean up nicely. Uh, thank you. I'm at a crossroads in my life. About to turn 35 this year. I'm a youngin. I passed that road. A long time ago. I know. I know. I'm, I'm still a little kid. I'm, I'm okay with that. And uh, here's what happened. I went through my closet last night. I took out everything that, see, I'm, I'm getting fat. And uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer fitting into a lot of my clothes. So I took out everything I don't fit into anymore. I also took out everything that was wearing out and or had massive amounts of holes in it. Put it all into a pile. I was left with basically one pair of jeans, a pair of cords, and then the rest of it's all dress clothes. Wow. So I have to figure out, now that I'm going to go buy clothes, do I go dress clothes and grown up? You know, 35, hit the mile mark, wear a tie everyone, you know, on a regular basis, button up shirts all the time? Or do I go jeans, t-shirt, you know, how I've been? I don't know, man. I'm trying out the tie right now. Looks good. Thanks. All right. Let's get to some important stuff. Um, okay. First of all, this show is a little discombobulated. And I'll tell you, like I said, I'm going to the Philippines. Did I already say that? Maybe I didn't. I'm going to the Philippines oh, yeah, yeah. in like two weeks. And uh, I'm going to be presenting some papers there. It's going to be, uh, I hope it's going to be a good time. I've already created my first three 
keynotes for it, and I got four more to go. Um, anyway, so uh, I have been putting a significant amount of my time into trying to prepare for the Philippines. So my preparation for this show has been a little bit uh, lacking, and I apologize. <laughs> Not that anyone's going to be able to tell anyway. Uh, I apologize, but um, so I'm a little discombobulated today, but here we go. Last Friday, we got a comment on one of our clips on YouTube from, and we've had, we've gone round and round with uh, this gentleman, Marty Hertz before. Nice guy, uh, seems to uh, have some interesting views. Uh, we did a whole show on where the actual temple was built because Marty, uh, he runs a Facebook page on like, he, he claims that it was outside the, the temple walls. Um, anyway, so nice guy. And so I'm, I'm, actually, uh, I'm, I'm actually trying to look over his comment here. He says, for now, I will trade you one equal generalization to ponder while I wait for the scripture that I requested. If Yeshua is actually Yah in the flesh, then the only reason he could keep Torah perfectly was because of his divinity. And we as mere mortals cannot uh, cannot more later. So he's asking, he asked me uh, if I would give one, he said, give me one verse where Yeshua claims to be God or where it says that Yeshua is God. So I wrote back and I said, uh, John 8.58, Titus 2.13. And those verses, for those who don't know, and this is an age-old argument, but th- this just shows kind of the what the last week has been like. Okay, so John 8.58, for those who don't know, we've done almost an entire show on this. Rob's written an article on this. John 8.58 says, Yeshua said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And then the Titus passage says, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing, appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Okay? So that's uh, John 8, 58, Titus 2, 13. Those are, those are what I reference, reference. He writes back and says, I'll see that and raise you First John 4, 2. Please note, is from God, not is God. And then he writes again, before Abraham was, I am, in my humble opinion, only proves that Yeshua was around before Abraham, which, of course, he was. Okay, he writes again about the Titus 2, 13 passage and says, the appearance of of the glory of our God and Yeshua, and Yeshua. So he puts and Yeshua in, where it is not in the Greek. Uh, he goes on, many would say that the Yeshua is the glory of God. These are all concepts best understood via Hebraic thought and idioms. You know, I love this. Anytime somebody disagrees with uh, a lot of the people in the Hebrew Roots movement, and, you know, I love Skip, but Skip Moen is, is, uh, does this a lot, too. You're not thinking Hebraically. Yeah, Caleb. exactly. You're, you're, you're thinking of a Greek mindset. Uh, now, a... I personally haven't, I don't know the Hebrew language, but I just know Hebraic thought. <laughs> thought, yeah, exactly. Now, I, haven't, I haven't actually learned the language yet, but and maybe maybe, Mar- maybe Marty has. Let's not, you know, let's, I'm not going to say that he hasn't uh, done uh, due diligence in learning the Hebrew language. However, I would say simply from his comments here, and you know this co- this conversation went on and on, but uh, on Facebook. However, I, I would say from his uh, from his comments here, it seems as though he has not done study in in the Greek language. The reason why is because if Yeshua was saying <clears throat> before Abraham was, I was around, he would say I was 
Okay. Right. Before Abraham was, I was. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. However, the Greek grammar here is clearly not that. It, it's not good Greek grammar. It's not written the way that someone would, would, uh, would speak. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Yeah, iconoclast is saying the same point in the text. And I think they're a couple seconds behind, so you guys are on the same page with that. Yeah, here, and you know, here's an issue, too. What, is there a time where Yeshua was not? That's, that's the question, like, for, uh, for Marty or, or some of those. You know, are they claiming that there was a time when Yeshua did not exist? Well, this goes back to the age-old argument of the Trinity. So are you saying that, uh, so if Yeshua is the Son of God and not yod heh vav himself, how is it that we are worshiping Yeshua? Clearly we worship Yeshua. This would mean dual, uh, dual deity. If Yeshua is not yod heh vav then we worship two gods. Um, so anyway, uh, no, this passage in John eight fifty eight. Now, granted, look, Parr from Sweden has take has taken my uh, interpretation along with many other scholars' interpretation. They take this same inter- interpretation of John eight fifty eight. He's disagreed with with me on this. However, I will, but but the difference is that Parr has come from a very very scholarly uh, approach in that he uh, has dealt very well with the Greek language in this and uh, he's brought up his concerns. However, Parr is also a Unitarian. So I don't know if Marty Hertz is a Unitarian, uh, but obviously we come at Scripture from a completely different, two completely different aspects. Um, so, so with Parr, I can at least have a dialogue in that respect because not only is he uh, working specifically with the languages, but I know where he's coming from, which is that he's a Unitarian. Okay. Uh, Marty, on the other hand, no, this is not dealing with the languages. You can't just say, oh, no, he's just saying he was around before, before Abraham. No, that's not what he's saying. This is a clear reference to Exodus 3. Go and tell, what if they don't accept me? Tell them, I am has sent you. Right? Yeshua is, in my opinion, and I think clearly from the Greek grammar, Yeshua is, is uh, clearly saying that he is yod heh Not only that, but the Pharisees certainly thought the exact same thing I did. And why is this? They picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy. Anyway, so go, going on to the Titus 2.13 passage, um, this also is a uh, debated top, topic. However, I think it's quite, I, I think that the evidence leans far towards this being the Granville Sharp rule. Dr. Daniel Wallace has, has, uh, has written his dissertation on this being part of the Granville Sharp rule. I think it's, I think he's basically proven his point. I mean, do we really need to explain what the Granville Sharp rule is? Uh, basically, well, okay, uh, go look up the Granville Sharp Rule if you want to know what the Granville Sharp Rule is. However, the point is is that uh, Marty is not dealing with the Greek grammar here to say, and, and not only that, but he, but uh, Marty is inserting a and where it shouldn't be. Okay, enough of that. Yeah, and you know, in our second year Greek last night, we had our Tuesday nights, we have our class, we were reading through Philippians. Hmm. And uh, we have a great class. We we're going around, and we I think we went for two hours reading in Philippians one and chapter two, which is the that what some call a hymn or a poem 
about, you know, have this mind in you, right? That was in Yeshua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great passage. But how does that end? It says that uh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeah. I mean, if you go to the Tanakh, where does it say every tongue will confess? yod Vafe. So either, either Yeshua is a charlatan or he's the real deal. Uh, uh, my friend Aaron the other day said uh, he's a liar, a now what was it? The three L's. He's Speaking either, about Yeshua. Yeah, yeah. Either there's like basically he's either uh, you know the truth or it's a lie. You can't have one or the other. You know, you, there's no in between. Well, he's Messiah, but he's just a man. He's just a really smart Jewish rabbi. Yeah, what, there's no other Jewish history uh, teacher in history saying every tongue will confess <laughs> that they are the Lord. You know, it's just, yeah. To say that Yeshua is not yod heh is is clearly uh, going to bring some major problems. And this is exactly why the theology of the Trinity was created in the first place, because, you know, we're not the first people to have this, this, uh, this, this conversation. People have yeah. died at the stake for this exact theology. So, I mean, uh, to Marty, I think I just got to say. And that is what we call a theological fail. Fail. Okay, let's move on. So, uh, like, yeah, I feel like there's just been so, I feel like the enemy has just infiltrated the, the body of, of the Messiah this, this past week and really done a, a, a number, uh, there's just so much lack of knowledge, so much lack of, I don't even know what to say. You know, it's not that I think uh, these, these people are, are, you know, heretics themselves, but certainly they're being misled by, by Satan himself. Uh, I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I, know, I don't know if this is a direct response to us or not. Last week we talked about Pete Rambo. And some of the stuff that he has on his site. Originally, we had played a clip by uh, by two men, Hanuk, Hanuk, and uh, and Ken Rank. Okay, now these two gentlemen, they created a, uh, a website slash partnership called United to Restore. This is the only link in your show notes for those who are following along in your show notes. It's the only link in your show notes, um, and this just—I mean—it blew up. It blew up this last week on... I'm, feel, I'm feeling a little, little left out. Go for it. We've got a show number 115. Oh! I, oh, man. I, I mean, I'm interrupting a little um, bit. No, I not at all. If we don't, no, if we no, don't my rain bad. in the horses. I, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm just... See, this is, this is what's happening, man. I can't even focus. I can't, I, can't, I can't even produce the show. I'm just all over the place. Hang on just a second. Okay, here we go. You ready? Let's go, let's let's go to uh, let's go to Rob's Gamatria. I apologize. I do apologize. Mia Mia Copa. It's Rob's Gamatria. What do you got for me today, Rob? I like that little. What is that little? Is that a little? That little drum? Yeah, it's a bongo, man. It is show one fifteen. And the initial disclaimer. We do not really endorse Gematria. Did I have to say that? Maybe for some. Well, you never can tell. 
Uh, but we do like to have fun with gematria and because we believe that uh, it needs to be uh, taken Because it's a joke. With some humor. Yeah, It's yeah, a yeah. joke. Okay, 115. Some good words here. Anachnu. What oh. is anachnu? We. We. We are. Yeah. Anachnu. Here's another one. Ha'am. The people. <laughs> anachnu is We are the people. And then ha'am. We. The people. <laughs> um, here's another one. Kazak. Yeah. Be, be strong. strong. Yeah. Lo halom. It, not a dream. <laughs> Lo halom. Well, yeah, I can see. Yeah, okay. And then meyehudim uh, from Judah. from the Jews or from the Yehudim. So I don't know. You tell me. What's your favorite uh, gematria word there? Well, Caleb? I think it's going to have to be from Yehudim uh, because of the of the yeah. content of the show. Okay. So I I think I like. Uh, I like the others. I like Anachadu. I like uh, Lo Halom. It's not a dream. Anyway, so yeah, and then to put our uh, disclaimer once more, we do not endorse using Gematria to determine scriptural truth. No, of course not. All right, is that it for our uh, Gematria session? Thanks for indulging me. I apologize for missing it, man. I feel bad now. Okay, let's, let's wrap it up. You're a legend in your own mind. Your mom goes to college. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. Loudmouth and the Hawk. Yes. Okay. So now that uh, we've gotten our fix of Gematria for the week, let's move on. So this uh, this article that I'm talking about. So initially we had uh, we'd mistaken uh, Ken Rank. Well, we 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 thought Ken Rank was Pete Rambo. We said that Pete Rambo made this horrible theological fallacy, and um. We had to say we were sorry for that, but come to find out, Pete Rambo basically believes exactly the same thing and has it up on his on his website. And so, uh, although we mistook rank for Rambo, uh, you know the the, the theological critique stood uh, because they both are saying the exact same thing. Um, and of course, I didn't expect uh, you know I didn't expect Rambo to respond or anything else. Uh, oh, what what's going on with my I'm missing all the chat room stuff. Oh, it's because you posted something really long. Oh, but there's been a lot of stuff since then. <laughs> well, yeah, it shut my it shut my scroll off. Okay. Hey. Anyway, um, so so this last week, uh, Ken Rank, United to Restore, writes this blog post. Uh, <laughs> this is so sad. Okay. Can we- Here's a question. We're like, I, I'm wondering, do we just want to go right to the core, those scriptural places, or do you want to actually go through the? That's a great question. Um, I mean, here, here's the. Okay. I get the sense that there's, and I, I don't know, I don't know the guy, but it sounds like what I would think of as a self-hating Christian. Oh yeah, yeah, I get that because, too. But it is. It's like, oh, Rambo I, too, Pete Rambo my, too. My tradition is so bad and wrong. Well, okay, first of and, all. And, the, and, the, and so I just can't, you know, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what I can stand on. So all I can stand on is that I, I believe that we should be keeping God's commandments. This Orthodox Jew believes we should be keeping God's commandments. So I just want to try to work in peace and harmony with others. Well, there's numerous things going on here. First of all, what I, the, the main thing that I get from this, from this post is I have a friend that I really like. He pursues Torah. 
He's a, you know, he's a, a righteous guy. You know, he's zealous for the Torah. And, uh, and he loves God. And so certainly God wouldn't condemn someone like this, my friend who I like. You know, so what I, what I hear, what I feel Ken Rank is doing is trying to manipulate Scripture in a way to make it so that his friend is now saved or in the circle. Oh, it doesn't matter that you don't believe in Yeshua. We all believe in the same thing. No big deal. You know, that's kind of, that's what I get from it. But I agree with you about self-loathing Christian. Um, you know. There's I, no, they're never going to be able to talk about Scripture. You know what I mean? Well, okay. And, and, unless, and, uh, unless someone, there's, you know, here's the other thing we were talking about uh, in last night's Greek class. We're reading through Philippians. And it uses the word um, to to contest together, to to struggle and compete together. In other words, it's this word where we get the word athlete. Yeah. That there's to contend for the faith, right? Yeah. We can't. We 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 learn about the armor of God in Ephesians, right? And in Jude, it talks about contending for the faith. Okay. There's no. You can't be passive. You can't just sit there and like ah. Uh, no, it takes active engagement to keep your mind sharp. In Hebrews, it says we need to provoke each other, right? So we so we stay. Uh, vigilant and okay. aware and prayerful, and how can you do that if you're if you've let uh, if you've tried to set a table where you're going to sit with somebody and you're putting all all the that important stuff aside, saying okay, let's just read the Hebrew Bible together. You know, let's just I'll assume that that you uh, and I. Are under the same umbrella of, you know, you're. But here's the other deal, because you know he wants to the 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 Christian guy is wanting to uh, assert a, an end time picture. So he's taking it. He's building an eschatological uh, expectation based on Ezekiel 37 and some other verses, and he wants to impose that on the world today. So he wants to enact a a particular eschatology. And that is the one that sees uh, Orthodox Jews as as the stick of Judah and Christians as the, or Torah-believing Christians, I guess he might qualify, as the stick of Joseph. And 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 he wants to to impose that map on the world. Here's here's one of the first problems he's going to have, is that the Jewish tradition sees Christianity as Esau and them as Jacob. Now, he might have found one... Orthodox Jew who's who's saying, oh, you're Ephraim, you're Ephraim. But that Orthodox Jew, among all his rabbis in his world, they're all they don't use the map that he's using. They're they're thinking that that uh, Judah or the you know uh, Judaism is Jacob, and the Christian Church is Esau. And there's Messianic Orthodox Jews out there that that's their view as well. So it's. And, and they're enacting what they think is the appropriate eschatology. They're enacting that. That means they're imposing a map on the world according to the scriptures they, they pick out. And I think it's really no different than what, like, Khan was doing with the Shemitah. He's, he's tries, he looks at the scripture, picks out a couple verses, and then tries to impose this, his picture of eschatology on the, the times we're living in right now. 
Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. I actually took away kind of the same thing uh, from this article. One of the main things I realized about this is that he's he's taken this two-house theology, as it's referred to, the theology that the believing Gentiles are not really Gentiles, they're Ephraim, so they're Israel, and Judah is the Jewish descendants from Jacob. Uh, or, well, I shouldn't even say that. They're all descended from Jacob. And this is, this is one of the initial problems, is that in the, in the uh, prophetic writings, we have the Gentiles, not, not Israel or Judah. Uh, we have the Gentiles coming to faith. And what the two-house theology does is it erases that at its core. It basically says, no, if you, if you believe in, in Jesus, if you believe in Yeshua as the Messiah, you're either from the house of Israel or you're from the house of, of Judah. You, you are a physical descendant of Jacob is basically what they're saying. Okay, so that, and there's okay, yeah. That 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 in and of itself is a huge issue, but what what I've realized is that you know before I thought well maybe it's not really a dividing issue you know we can we can still and for some people I'm sure that's true you know for some of the two houses that might be true this however this is, I I don't know if this is like wacko two house theory or what but this certainly is uh, gone to a degree that is far beyond okay. Uh, or far beyond, like oh, let's just have a nice little chat about this. This is bordering on downright heresy, uh, it, it, and I say bordering, but I mean honestly, I don't know what else you'd call it. Uh, this is this is bad. Um, basically, what what he's said, and my uh, you know, I want to go back for a second. My father's used uh, a a analogy of, you know, when he was in, I think, college or seminary, one of his teachers was a really good teacher and came in with these these huge yellow, like, circus glasses on, but they were huge and yellow. And he taught for the first, like, 15, 20 minutes of his lecture with these these yellow glasses on, as if nothing was, you know, as if nothing was was wrong or, or weird or anything. And afterwards, he basically made the analogy that, you know, he had been using these these glasses, and to him, he you know it might he might think that it, everything looks normal, but then when you take these glasses off, you realize that no, through those glasses everything was yellow, and now you take them off and everything looks it looks weird for a little while, but then you realize that's the real color it's supposed to be. What Ken Rank and Pete Rambo, what these guys have done, they've put on these two house glasses. Every single thing that they they translate now out of the Bible is translated through this false dichotomy of Judah and Israel. Oh, one of my favorite. Can we go over my favorite? Yeah, go for it. My favorite is the story of the prodigal, what we call the prodigal son. Yes. It's actually not called that in scripture. Luke 15. Yeah. You've got the, the father, you've got the two brothers, older and younger. The younger wants his inheritance, disappears, goes, squanders all his wealth, and ends up feeding pigs, wishing he could, you know, no one's even feeding him as good as the pigs are getting fed. Um, and then every, we all know the story. And, and right there, that's a slam dunk, Caleb. That <laughs> is, that's Ephraim and Judah. Judah was, Judah's always there with the father. Ephraim was the prodigal son. Don't you see it? Don't you see that? Well, what we need to remember is that we got to read Luke 15 in a whole as a whole. Who's he talking to? Well, Luke 15:1 tells us that 
tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear him, to hear Yeshua teach. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling. This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he's telling, it says, so he told them a parable. And he tells them three parables. He tells them about the sheep, the, or the, the one sheep of the 99, and the guy goes and gets it, and there's great, re, great rejoicing for repentance. Then he tells about the woman who has the, the 10 coins. She loses a coin, searches diligently to find it, restores her, her possessions back to whole, and she calls people, and they celebrate, right? And it all comes back to repentance, that there's great joy in heaven for repentance. Then finally, he says, if that's not enough, talked about sheep, talked about material wealth, now let's go to an actually family situation. And again, much rejoicing with the repentance. Okay, what's the lesson? Well, if you just look at the context, it's Yeshua is, is teaching the Pharisees that these, quote, sinners and, quote, tax collectors that they have won't even eat with, they won't even talk with them, are their family members. They need to see them not only as their family members, and they need to see that repentance of those people is something that is greatly rejoiced over. and have, It's a cause for great celebration. And the Pharisees, because of their insular uh, halakhic uh, stringencies, or whatever you want to call them, had basically written off people, you know, uh, uh, unjustly so, because they didn't know the heart of their father. The heart of the father is one that longs, is for, for, that desires repentance. And that's the lesson. That's what the lesson is. That's what the lesson is. The younger brother, the younger brother is the tax collector, or the or the sinner, quote sinner, right? It's not this Ephraim and Judah. That this that there's just no. Uh, yeah, it's it, there's just nowhere to hang. That. You know, but we were going to try to exegete this pa- this passage. It is a huge passage, but I don't really, you know, like, and we can do that. But uh, you know, the Anchor Bible says has some some in- the Anchor Bible uh, commentary has some great things to say about this story. Uh, first of all, it's interesting that you can basically view yourself as any one of the three main characters in this passage. The father, you know, if you're a father, you can look at your sons, and you know, you can see what it would be like. You can you you know what it would be like. As a sinner, we know what it's like to fall away and to and to have the you know have come come to the Lord and have Him accept you and and uh, you know and even to uh, to slip in faith and to come back to the Messiah, uh, you know we know what that's like. We also know what it's like as a believer who uh, who loves the Lord and is trying to you know to live a righteous life to see someone who's you know uh, maybe not doing it the way that we would do it or, you know, we think is is slacking or unrighteous or is falling away from the faith. And then they come back and it's kind of like, well, who do you think you are? You know, we're able to see ourselves in all three of these roles. Um, and that's why I think with the, the prodigal son is, is uh, such a striking story. Because depending on where you are in your life, you, you see it from a different point of view. Yep, that's right. Um, but the idea that this is that this is somehow talking about Ephraim and Judah is that's that's just like such a stretch. It of, is it of is eisegesis to the max. Outrageous proportions. 
It really I think is. that's a view. I think that's a view that's headed for deep. Oh mischief. man, do I have? You know, I'm still trying to figure out my board because. Okay, I here's another one, here. Caleb. Here's another one. I'm telling you, Jesus Trust said. Me, I'm a Canadian here. Jesus said, "I come not to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Boom. Done. That's it. That's he comes only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, and that's I, the northern. Read your Old Testament, Caleb. House of Israel. Northern Kingdom. Okay, and this is this is okay, and this is the meat of, of, of the argument here. This is what's going on. Ken Rank, along with uh, some of his, uh, I, I don't know what else to call him, like two house wackos. I they are really on a on a totally different trajectory. Uh, there's a level of of uneducation. I don't even think that's a word. Uneducation. Uh, that uh, that is just disinformation. D- yeah, disinformation. I said Jesus. It's just it's from the enemy. It, it is. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's, no, but it's, answer me on that. He says that not. I'm not coming except for the last sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, but hang on. I want to. I want to frame this real quick for 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 our audience. Basically, what they're saying and and taking uh, the verse that that Rob has just mentioned. They're basically saying Yeshua didn't come in to, to die uh, and for the Jewish people, for Judah. He came for Ephraim, for Israel. It's a, are they saying that? Are they going that far? Well, let's read. Let's read some of what we have here. Uh, I, thought he, I thought he does say that, that uh, Judah still needs... Now, okay, I, I agree that he says Judah still needs Yeshua, but he says they don't need to, you know, they believe in a Messiah and uh, they don't have to believe now. They can believe whenever they, you know, they'll come in at the at the judgment. They'll come in and say, oh, yeah, we oh, now we see it's it's Yeshua. Not a problem. And here's the interesting thing. He I, I don't think he understands what tradition is. I mean, we could, we could. Yeah, he he believes that there's such thing as a tradition that doesn't change from generation to generation. Except he wants to believe that he seems to say that the Christian tradition has been corrupted over and over, but that the Jewish tradition apparently has not doesn't have any problems with it. It's I, I don't know. I, he says this. Listen to this. Okay, this is one that I found. Our tradition tells us that we are to offer them salvation. He's talking about Judah here. Our tradition. Yeah, okay. our tradition tells us that we are to offer them salvation through Yeshua. Yet, what if that... Tra- offer? <laughs> when, when did any apostle in the apostolic writings offer salvation? No, it's, it's repent and believe. It's Yeshua is risen from the dead and is king, and he is judge of the living and the dead. That's, that's what it, It's just a proclamation. Believe. Believe the gospel. Believe well, in Yeshua yeah. and have life. Here's, it's not like an offering. Here's the interesting thing about this. I think that anyway. if you just... if you Okay, take his word tradition here. Replace that with what he's actually talking about. And, I mean, it would read different, but it would read the, basically what he's saying. Replace it with Bible. Our Bible tells us that we are to offer them salvation through Yeshua. Yet what if... The Bible lacked a depth of understanding. I mean, ooh, oh, I see what you mean. So what he's saying yeah. is, our tradition tells us he's that con- we are. He's he's he's, he's, he's confusing tradition. The basket called tradition. tradition, but it's actually the Bible. Our tradition tells us that we are, we are to offer them salvation through Yeshua. No, no, our tradition doesn't tell us that. Our Bible tells us that. 
So, and then he goes on. Yet what if that, that tradition lacked a depth of understanding? What if long ago certain conclusions were made by leaders who may have been sincere, but who failed to look upon the Jews with much favor? Are you talking about the apostolic scriptures? Perhaps their bias didn't allow them to fully see God's plan as revealed in the prophets. And now, now we go back to his source, which is Ephraim and Manasseh. Their conclusions, I'm going on with his, with his uh, quote here, their conclusions were passed on to subsequent generations and came to form the tradition of how we today perceive the Jewish people. This has nothing to do with perceiving the Jewish people. And I, I'll read you some of the comments here in a few seconds. But this, this is ridiculous. And then he goes on with a slightly negative undertone that causes many to view them in a manner inconsistent with God's truth. God's truth is that the Messiah came and died on the cross for the unrighteous. This is the other thing is that he doesn't, he doesn't understand what the unrighteous are. Listen, okay, so I have another quote from him. And uh, then I want to go to somebody else who... Oh, oh, what he says, I come not to the... To the to the sick or i come to the sick not to the healthy that yeah kind of thing yeah so he's basically he's saying that the jewish people are in covenant with god we'll talk about that in that a few they're seconds. healthy and they don't need a physician yeah exactly okay so this is this is the crux of the argument here in this paper and the one that uh that i'm i'm so staunchly uh i can't I, I, it's so sad i don't know whether to be angry or, or just grieved by by uh how how mixed up this is. It's really bad. Uh, he says, quote, I have an Orthodox Jewish friend by the name of Hanoch Young. We have filmed the videos together and are currently working on a book that will illustrate how our two houses can indeed get along. What he and I have learned in discussing our faith understandings is that we truly are separated by only one word again. You see, we both believe there is a coming kingdom a king who will reign from David's throne. We both foresee the exiles returning from the nations and a time of world peace with Torah, will, uh, where, when Torah will be taken to the nations by God's united kingdom of Israel. What divides us is that I believe Messiah has been here once and will come again, and Hanoch is writing for his first appearance is waiting, I'm sorry, is waiting for his first appearance. But he is still the same Messiah, and we are still being drawn to the same place in history. I don't know what kind of Orthodox Jew Hanok is, but that certainly is not the standard. Uh, That's why I asked what who his rabbi was. Because an Orthodox, an Orthodox Jew has a rabbi. You know what I mean? And, and they're not going uh, to be out teaching contrary to what their rabbi, you know what I mean? You Orthodox Judaism is a is a hierarchical structure. You you know, it's more than that though. the 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 point is this: Orthodox Judaism says that the Messiah is going to come redeem the physical nation of Israel. That's be, from basically from an oppressive governments that are coming up against it. Orthodox Judaism says that the Messiah will do nothing for their sin. They don't need the Messiah. To cover their sin. They don't need the Messiah to deal with sin. Orthodox yeah, Judaism yeah. has tried to get a, a, get around. I suppose you could say that he, so this this author is saying that they're writing a book together. There's only one word difference. Well, have they talked about sin at all? Yeah, exactly. How, How about does, the word uh, sin? And this, How about I, the word, uh, yeah, interesting. Well, they'll probably sell a lot of books. Maybe it sounds it sounds good. No, it doesn't. It sounds awful. No, I mean uh, for for your 
average person out there who's interested in, I mean, there, there's a big market out there for two house. They're going to eat it up. Okay, so now Hanok, of course, doesn't come straight out and say, uh, you know, well, actually, I don't. Maybe he does. I, I'm, I forget. Uh, but uh, there so was. So does, does Hanok think that? Let me remind me. Is it Ken? Yeah, Ken is Rank. an idolater. I don't know. This would get into the deity of the Messiah issue. Does Ken Rank believe that uh, the Messiah is is Yodhevave? Because uh, halakhically observant Jews would see that as, as idolatry. Unless, unless they go through some sort of thing, well, they, they, as long as Ken is a, not a Jew. If it was a Jew worshiping Yeshua, it would be idolatry. But since he's a Gentile doing it, he can have a limited amount of Oh, yeah, like, okay. Yeah, but, so but, but, according to, but according to Hanok... Uh, at least, yeah, according to Hanok, actually, and this is where he's he's uh, differs from Orthodox Judaism substantially, is that he believes that Hanok teaches that the, that those within the church are Ephraim. He takes a two house yeah, well, theology, and there's people and there's people elsewhere in the world who aren't Christians who are also part of Ephraim. Ephraim. Okay, so uh, I think he believes that so, that it's not only in in the Christian Church; it's just it happens to be that. So here's the issue, and there's this guy that I was friends with. I unfriended him because of this conversation. I was I was so upset by it, and I just figured, you know what, this is ridiculous. I don't need to be upset about this. I just don't need to be this guy's friend anymore on Facebook. Never met him personally. His name's Jesse Ben Yosef. He runs a uh, uh, he runs a, a website or a blog that is called uh, The Torah Driven Life, okay? Now, he posted uh, Ken Rank's uh, uh, article and said, this is just the greatest article, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I started looking in the comments. Here are some of the comments that this Jesse makes. And this is, this is the outcome of Ken Rank's theology. He says, plus, and this is, he's responding to some people here. Uh, he says, plus, the bigger picture here is that Judah is still in covenant with the Father. They always have been. What did the Father, uh, he, I think it's supposed to be, what did the Father say to the older son? You have always been with me. All that I have is yours. He said this in reference to the Jewish people. Also, Yeshua said very clearly <laughs> that he did not come for the, those who did not need a physician. He said this pertaining to the Jewish people also. Um, he goes on to say, it isn't dual covenant theology. It's about recognizing the very basic biblical fact that Judah, the Jewish people, have never been out of covenant, neither before Yeshua nor after him. And that Yeshua said in his own words that he only came for Ephraim. Okay, there is wow. some major, major, major theological issues with this. First of all, okay, I agree that the uh, the land right covenant, if you keep my commandments, I give you the land and all these things. This applies to Israel. And when I say Israel, please do not hear me preaching two house here. When I say Israel, I mean the physical de- descendants of Jacob. Okay, the, and, and well, a multitude of others who came out of, out of Egypt, right? Uh, but the people who received the, the, the Torah on Mount Sinai, okay? Uh, there, there was a covenant made with these people. 
And there are physical, temporal promises made. If yeah. you do this, then this happens. If you don't do this, this happens. Exactly. Those, yeah. st- those still apply. Those apply to, to, the, to the Jewish people. And I Jewish, I'm using quote, quote marks here. Jewish people. Okay. However, when we talk about salvation, we talk about the new covenant. I cannot say that the Jewish, because look, the, the, people, the people in the, in the wilderness who were given the covenant on Sinai didn't have the Torah written on the heart. That's right. So, I mean, what's, he, what, what's this guy going to do with that? They, they were out of covenant relationship with God. They were out of the they, new covenant relationship with God. Moshe came down and destroyed the, the tables. Why? Because, because God's presence in our life exposes sin. Right? I mean, that's what happens. And for him to bring his presence into our heart and put his holy Torah in our heart exposes the sin that's in our life. We confess, and by his grace, we then confess it. But we can't, that's why it says in First John, if you say you have no sin, his word's not in you. Well, they might say, oh, well, we, re- we repent of our sin on Yom Kippur. And so I don't need, you know, I, I don't need the cleansing. I don't need my heart to be cleansed by uh, the blood of Messiah. I don't need his spirit. I guess that's what they're going to say. Well, he goes on. Somebody now responds to him, this Jesse guy. Somebody responds to him and says, they were dis, uh, disregarded and Yah has them under punishment until they accept Messiah. However, first for the Jews, then for Ephraim, the gospel goes. And this Jesse guy responds, not so. Judah, Judah was never disregarded and the gospel is exclusively for Ephraim. So the gospel is not for the Jewish people. This is, that's, it's, it's a kind of bilateral ecclesiology. It, it kind of reminds me of a different incarnation of what uh, Dr. Mark Kinzer has yes. proposed with post-missionary Messianic Judaism. What does that mean? It means we live, the map of the world now is post-missionary. We don't missionize Jews anymore. We don't tell Jews they need the gospel. Clearly they don't, because look at all the Jews keeping the Torah. Just leave them alone. Leave them alone. They oh. don't need the gospel. We're in a post-missionary world, and in a way, it, it practically, even though in details it's different, but the end result is the same of both those views, right? They both create a, a space that says, this space is for Jews only, and you don't, and this outside of that is where you can have the gospel, but they do not mix. You don't connect the positive with the negative here, you'll get shocked. They're two different poles, Gary, uh, in the chat room, Gary Springer, our, our uh, show programmer, he, uh, he posts this, and this is a, a perfect passage to bring up. So Yeshua was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And, hang on just a sec, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Yeshua answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. 
the sun does remain forever. So if the sun makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you could be any more clear on that. Um, however, you know, if you, if you have more questions about this, one of the great things to do about this article is go down. I'm sure this will probably be erased soon. Lois has a good point. So, so the Jews, anytime the apostolic writing says that there were Jews that believed in Yeshua, where does that put them? So why didn't Yeshua say, sorry, I didn't come for you. You, you misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How come in the synagogues, uh, Paul or yeah, Peter yeah. don't Yeah, yeah. Hey, the, say, gospel, the gospel's hey, not for you. It's yeah, for you. You guys, I'm not talking to you. Don't get so upset. Why are you guys trying to run us out of town? Yeah. Why, are you, why are you throwing stones? Why are you such a hater? <gasps> oh, la, and la, that, la, 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 la. oh, here we go. How rude. Why do you hate the Rob and Caleb show? Honestly, I think they're vain, stupid, and incredibly self-centered. Yeah, it's a great point, though, Rob. Why doesn't he say, whoa, 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 you've read the prophecy. You should know. I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. You're Judah. And as you clearly know, because the uh, the prophecy is so clear, uh, you know, these two have been separated, even though it, we we know that, the, that uh, the 12 tribes came back after the Babylonian exile to Israel from Assyria, from Babylon, they came back. They were not lost at that point. And, and we have the, uh, the apostles writing to the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Yeah, but you, maybe, maybe Peter, well, Paul was Benjaminite, so he could, he could be associated with the house of Joseph, even though Benjamin came part of Judah. Paul could be northern tribe. Peter was up and lived up in Galilee. He's probably a northerner. But the point I is, I think that- all the I think all the apostles were actually northern tribers, and um, that even Ste- when Stephen was testifying before the Sanhedrin, all the, the high priests in the Sanhedrin they were all northerner Israelites. I feel an air of of uh, <laughs> sarcasm here. Um, yeah. I'm a Catholic, which is the best of all the religions, really, because we have the most rules and the best clothes. So one of the guys in the comment section, I can't imagine this is going to be up for long. Uh, his name is Tom Washburn in the comment section. Just obliterates the, this entire this entire uh, article. And you know, Ken, Ken Rank tries to come back and, and redeem himself in some way, uh, and and completely fails. Uh, but I mean, just some of these. He so this Tom. I'm not going to read this whole thing, of course. But uh, I got to read the intro to this. This is just priceless. He says, I am missing. Am I missing something? Can you help a brother out? I'm having a very difficult time trying to understand a couple of things. To start, I'm concerned with the way this teaching has been worded. How we have been set up, so to say. You attempt to make a point by saying, if we seek truth and have a teachable spirit, that's a quote, as if to say that if we don't, if we do not agree with what you are presenting, we are not seeking truth and we do not have a teachable spirit. Point, set, match, game over. How can we disagree with what you have said when you you word things this way? What a great point. This I, is, I, that's a great point. This is like somebody saying, God told me. 
Uh, you know, kudos, Tom, on that. You say, he starts this out just perfectly. Then he goes on, below, please find a few references to things that were stated in the, this article, and then followed with what could be called a clarification, a matter of setting the record straight. It should be noted that these things were pointed out by my children. They brought their concerns to me. The first part of a portion is what was written by Ken. The following comments are from my children. And then, (laughs) oh man, he just goes point by point by point down some of these. Where's the one that I found that I really liked? Uh, And and Andre, uh, what happened to Andre? Andre made this point the other night. So, uh, and I should find Andre's, uh, I should find Andre's email. I'll read that in just a few seconds. But this is what this Tom gentleman says. So he's quoting he's co- quoting Ken Rank here. Uh, the quote is, which is why he stated he was coming to call the lost sheep of the northern kingdom, end quote. Now this Tom gentleman responds, he did not say this. He used the term Israel, which was also used to refer, refer to the Jewish people, John 3.10, Acts 2, Acts 4, or to the physical land in Luke 4. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I exactly. <laughs> um, I I, I want to. I have an idea. The Ephraim Bible, oh, no. and and or the Ephraim New Testament, and what it has it all references to Israel are corrected or amplified uh, to Northern Kingdom or Ephraim. There it is, man. We could uh, we could finally bankroll. Uh, to our resource, <laughs> put out a Bible, huh? Uh, this is what Andre says to me. I saw yesterday that uh, you commented on a Facebook post. That was the Facebook post to, uh, with this guy, Jesse, that I ended up unfriending over the whole thing. Uh, he said, you posted John fourteen six to counter his claim, which I did. Uh, no one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, in response, he brought up three different passages from the Gospels. One of them was Matthew 15, 24. The two housers seem to be quoting this passage as if saying that Yeshua only came from the Ephraimites, not for the Jews. But this is exactly the opposite of what that passage means. A similar phrase, lost sheep of the house of Israel, appears in Matthew 10, 6, where Yeshua is clearly instructing his disciples not to go to any of the Gentiles or any of the Samaritans. This means that Yeshua's words are saying that Yeshua came for the Jews. I couldn't reply. Yeah, so he goes on. Uh, Thank you, Andre, for for a wonderfully (laughs) uh, (laughs) thought-provoking email. Uh, I I completely agree. This whole notion, this whole notion that we need to interpret, you know, and uh, okay, so maybe we should, before we go, because I know that we've we've been spouting off on this for quite some time. Let's get your. Uh, maybe this is something we'll have to uh, save for for next week, um, because it's just such a loaded. You know, it's it's loaded with so much good stuff. Uh, this passage is Jeremiah three one through eight. The two houses use this specific passage to basically set up their entire uh, theology of two house theology. Um, it says, and I'll read it for you. God says, if a husband divorces his wife. And she goes from him and belongs to another man. Will he still return to her? Will not that land be completely polluted? But you are a harlot with many lovers. 
Yet you turn me, you turn to me, declares the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the bare heights and see, where have you not been violated? By the roads you have sat for them like an Arab in the desert, and you have polluted a land with your harlotry and with your wickedness. Therefore, the showers have been withheld, and there has been no spring rain. Yet you had a harlot's forehead. You refuse to be ashamed. Have you not just now called me? My father, you are the friend of my youth. Will he be angry forever? Will he be indignant to the end? Behold, you have spoken and have done evil things, and you have had your way. Uh, Then the Lord said to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what faithless Israel did? She went up in every high hill and under every green tree, and she was a harlot there. I thought after she has done all these things, she will return to me. But she did not return, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw that for all the adulteries of of faithless Israel, I had sent her away and given her a writ of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she went and was a harlot also. Okay, so basically they, uh, the two housers are saying, look, God divorced Israel. That's why they need, and Ken Rank is basically saying that's why they need the gospel. It's because God divorced them, but he didn't divorce Judah. First of all, Somebody said to me that God, uh, you know, God was the one who separated Judah and Israel. Well, I mean, we could say that God was the one who uh, put in place the Catholic Church because it was all part of his plan. But that's, you can't, I mean, we can't say that God, you know, God did this. Uh, Judah and Israel split because of the sin of man, right? Jeroboam, the whole, you know, that whole story. It wasn't because God was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to have, I'm going to split this nation. The intent it has always been for Judah and Israel to be together. One, right? Yep. How do you take this, Rob? How do you take the Jeremiah 3 8 uh, I, I passage? Think, well, there's the other is uh, Isaiah 50 also talks a little bit about this idea of divorce. I think it's a metaphor. It's just she's talking in terms of, of metaphor. And the point is that Judah at that present time, Jeremiah is saying, Israel was punished and wiped out by the Assyrians for less than what you're doing right now. I think that's the. I think that's what the point is. Yeah, well, the Christians use this to basically, say, you know, a lot of the replace. I shouldn't say the Christians. The replacement. The, the, uh, I've heard. I've heard some people say that that God had two. Yeah. Two wives. Instone Brewer teaches that, and that, and that somehow, uh, the Northern Kingdom. Got divorced, but he could uh, and went and played the harlot, so could not be remarried. So Jesus had to die to release the northern kingdom from that. Um, it's it was really kind of strange. Well, this is how we get replacement theology. God divorced Israel, and uh, basi- and basically took the church instead. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I would also say that. Uh, you know that generation uh, basically was was cut off, um, but God is faithful throughout all the generations, right? Um, yep, yep. I, I agree with you. Not only that, but Jeremiah here is speaking. In, uh, we he's speaking in his historical context, in what is going on in his con- in the context of history for what he's talking, what he's seeing, and what he's talking about. Judah and Israel were split. 
It doesn't mean that it was sanctioned by God. It's what, it's what had happened. So God's dealing with Judah and Israel, a divided kingdom. I, I, I mean, to take something like this and then make this the glasses in which you're going to view all the rest of Scripture is absolutely ridiculous. Um, right. And to be honest, this makes me really question, you know, it's, it's kind of like the tip of the iceberg thing. We find people who, you know, are way into Paleo-Hebrew or we find people who are uh, you know, uh, lunar Sabbath. That's a good one. We find people who are lunar Sabbath. I guarantee you it's the tip of the iceberg. You're only seeing what's on the top of the surface. There is major theological issues underneath the surface. If somebody's a lunar Sabbath, that's all there is to it. I have not found one person that's a lo- that believes in lunar Sabbath that does not have significant theological issues, uh, underneath the surface. So it's like a symptom. It's a it's symptom a, of something much greater. Yeah, yeah, it's not the actual. And I'm starting to believe that two house theology is is almost in that same place. Now, don't get me wrong. I know I'm going to get emails on that. I have good friends. I have good believer friends who are who consider themselves two house. They obviously have not gone to this. I extent. was when I was introduced to messianic world or thought. It was through people two house, who were yeah. two house. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm not saying that we don't have brothers and sisters who uh, who are good brothers and sisters in the Lord who are two house, but when it, when it gets to this, when when people are are you know, this in my mind is spitting on the cross, people are spitting on the cross with this kind of theology. You downplay the work that the Messiah Yeshua has done on the cross. You downplay what it takes for uh, for reconciliation for those who have sinned. To come back into into uh, covenant relationship with the Almighty God can only be done through one way, and that's through the Messiah Yeshua. I just realized something, Caleb. What's that about my idea of the Ephraim Bible? Already been done. Ephraim Torah Aleph Tav. <laughs> Boom! Boom! Oh, mind blown! Do I have an explosion sound? I don't. Uh, next next. My time. favorite though. Here's my favorite. Is my Tav Aleph Bible? <laughs> yeah, my ta- my Tav Aleph Bible, Torah Achat, one Torah. Nice, boom, boom. Yeah, I got to get an explosion sound. Hey, by <laughs> by the way, that reminds me. Okay, so I figure that we're wrapping up here, but th- that reminds me. Uh, for everybody out there, um, please. Send me different sound clips. I mean, we've, we've asked for that. Don't let up. If you hear a sound clip that you think needs to be part of the show in our soundboard, please send it in. And if you're a musician, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for good jingles. Yeah. And well, here's another thing. I saw an ad for a movie this morning on the internet, The Young Messiah. Oh. It's coming out and it's got like... Uh, Does he turn... It's, bur- it's got uh, some famous... Play in the pigeons? It's got some famous... Oh, it's got Sean Bean. Sean Bean from like The Lord of the Rings, like... Boromir or Bo, whatever his name is. Okay. Um, and the airplane movie where he's the pilot. <laughs> anyway, he's like a Roman centurion. He's not just a boy. He's more than... Or, so, anyway, so tell us, are you going to watch the movie when it comes out? The Young Messiah. I think it's called The Young Messiah. So it's like Jesus' early years. Major PG-13 movie coming out this spring. Let us know if you're going to watch the movie. I want... Yeah. I want, you know what movie I want to see? Risen. Is that one out yet? I don't know. Is it out? 
this Probably summer. Easter. One man. Thing. This Easter. Yeah, it's, I think it is Easter. Uh, but man, I, my uncle, who is a pastor down in, uh, down in California, uh, he got to see an advanced screening of it, said it was just dynamite. And my uncle is a Baptist pastor. He doesn't, uh, you know, I, I would be surprised if he, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to get a rec- recommendation from him for Noah, if you know what I mean. You know, like, I kind of trust what he's saying about, uh, about this movie. So I'm, I'm excited to see that movie. Did you, okay, here, if, since we're just doing random stuff, did yeah. you hear, someone told me that someone who, now, th- so this could totally be wrong, I was just told it, that, like, I guess Psalm 119 ministry split up. Yes, and 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 one of the guys they're keeping Passover. They're not acknowledging the thirteenth month, a second Adar. So they're keeping Passover. And I just heard this in March, which means then next year, if they count twelve months, at some point, if they don't intercalate a month, yeah, they'll be off. They'll, they'll they're going to be like Passover in December kind of thing. Oh, if they keep doing that, it'll be. I mean, it'll just keep going backwards. Pretty soon. So, uh, but have you heard that, or is this new? I mean, I don't know if it, uh, that's what I heard. I don't know, but we need to. We let's get some boots on the ground and, and uh, figure that one out. Yeah. Any of our listeners out there, if you know anything about uh, cel- people celebrating Passover because they are not going to acknowledge uh, a pregnant uh, the pregnant year, the intercalated month, um, how is that working? Uh, the only the only reason they kept Passover when they did in 2015. Is because past years have been intercalated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so in a way, yeah. Here's the other question I have. So you told me the other day that you saw uh, uh, Jonathan Kahn on. Oh, Jim Baker. Remember Jim Baker? Ba- yeah. yeah, the guy who went to jail and, and for fraud and stuff. So anyway, I went and tried to find. So you, Rob had told me that uh, that Kahn was on it's Baker like not even a month ago, saying. Say, no, I could. Well, okay, hang on, just a sec. Saying that uh, that, that now n- now the new date is April, two thousand sixteen. Now I went on. There's a, there's a prophecy YouTube page, and in every single show description, they sh- say end of the uh, uh, United States collapse to th- uh, April thirteenth, two thousand sixteen. But even though that's in their title, it ha- that's nobody ever says anything like that in the uh, in the actual clips. So I'm I'm having trouble trying to find this Jim Baker uh, this Jim Baker clip. So if you can find that, uh oh, did I freeze up? I froze up. Uh, are we on the line still? Oh, I think we are online, but I don't know how uh, how I'm going to get offline. <laughs> All right, well, hang on, just a sec. Technical issues. Uh, let's see here. I can't even find my hold music. Am I moving? Nope. I'm going to have to restart my computer. We're going to lose it here. Well, everybody, I wonder if I can uh I wonder if I can still play sounds. Well, they're selling his books. I, I don't know if anybody can hear, but uh they they're selling all sorts of stuff on the the Jim Baker show. And they have like a rabbi, it's called the Rabbi one first or anniversary special. <laughs> can you still see the uh, chat room there? Um, yeah, I can see the chat room. Can you ask people if they're still hearing us? I'll ask. 
I gotta, I'm, it says, uh, yeah, it says they can still hear us. All right, fine. Well, in that case, uh, here's what we're going to do. We'll just keep talking. <laughs> see, Here, I see my, my uh, screen is moving, but you're, you're, you're but at least you're paused on like a, a really a good. I, okay, good, yeah. good. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Uh, I guess we'll just have to see you next week. I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to, oops. I'm going to have to turn off my computer. I'm going to have to just shut my whole computer down now to stop everything. So um, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week, hopefully, Lord willing. Send us uh, clips. Send us all sorts of stuff. Send us uh, what you want us to talk about. And, uh, man, write Ken Rank and just tell him that this is this is awful. Uh, let him know that this should not be stood for by uh, 